0: Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota.
1: Well, welcome to our special Thanksgiving edition hit of the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. So Despite this year has been crazy with COVID and all all things happening, all the cancellations, no trips, no uh, personal events, uh,
0: we're still alive
1: and here. How are you, Lauren?
0: I'm doing well. Yes, I'm in lockdown city here, otherwise known as... New York State with Dictator Cuomo. Um, but he, I, was I, king last week, and now he's dictator this week. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's changed. I think everyone in the state is starting to feel that way. But um, but I'm still getting cars. I'm very grateful for still getting cars through all of this stuff from the beginning of the year. There's been nonstop flow of vehicles, so we've been putting out tons of content, reviews, uh, giving people good information so they can make good decisions on buying a car, because the car sales are, are high, but they can't get product out fast enough. So that's kind of been... a um, the, the story of the whole year i think
1: yeah i this week specifically i'm thankful for the jaguar f-type r-dynamic all-wheel drive convertible that i have in the driveway because this is the time for convertibles in miami not in the summer because it's way too hot but now when it's like around 70 and breezy it's beautiful to drive that car around what about you in uh, california carl well i'm thankful
2: i uh you know Made it back with my son uh, from Colorado in that 150,000-mile uh, Malibu, as we talked about. The whole time we're in the middle of the desert, and I'm like, going, well, eh, it'll probably make it. And it did. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I am thankful, uh, like both of you, that we're still having some access to vehicles and that the manufacturers and the vehicle handlers are willing to go through what it takes to get us these vehicles. I think it helps that all three of us are on the North American Car Truck and Utility of the Year jury but one way or the other uh, we're still being exposed to new product and that sort of is the lifeblood of our professions so thankfully we're still able to do our jobs to some extent
0: yes I, that's that's true thank thankfully because not everybody's lucky enough to be in this position even in our business as we watch outlets shrink there were so many magazines you know print publications and outlets and online that have disappeared and a lot of us in our industry i I will bet by the end of this nightmare, that we're probably going to lose a good chunk, maybe up to as much as half of us, that will go into other industries and find other things to do. That's absolutely true. And another
1: thing I think we have to say, thank thank you for, is the technology. I mean, think about it. Like we're broadcasting here or or recording this podcast from three different locations uh, through the internet, um, wirelessly. I mean, this is pretty, the times that we're living in through technology is is like really amazing, don't you think?
2: Yeah, yeah and 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 like you said whether it's the things we get to do on a personal level the the cars technology that we've got you know as we move to connected cars and you know hybrid cars that get really great mileage and potentially ev cars you know, a huge announcement by gm uh this week about how they're going to up their um, commitment to electric vehicles and they've got far more um efficient yet cheaper batteries that they're going to be able to produce in another couple of years here and get up to 450 mile uh, range. So the industry is going through a huge upheaval on so many levels. And a lot of it is being driven by the technology you're talking about, Javier, but it's, it's ultimately it's going to be good, but it's going to be a lot of upheaval and and disruption.
0: Yeah, sadly. I mean, we're seeing a lot of changes in the industry, a lot of consolidation, a lot of moving around of things. But I I think in the end uh, right now, like I said, you're watching better product come out to a market as well. And the consumers are are getting the benefit of that. Uh, Maybe not exactly right now, but in the, in the very near future. Well,
1: speaking about consumers, that's a perfect uh, segue to the report for consumer reports that just named the best uh, quality brands. And uh, Mazda came up for the first time in number one on top of Toyota and Lexus. And then, uh, Honda and Hyundai uh, rounded out the, the top five. Uh, are
0: we impressed by Mazda's number one? I think yeah. I think Mazda deserves it. I think they've been shortchanged all along. I mean, when Mark Fields was running it, it started to improve. But we, I, I know Carl will agree that we've seen some big improvement in product. And people that own it love their product. Yeah.
2: yeah, they do. And I think you're exactly right, Lauren, That that if there's a brand that hasn't probably gotten the recognition it deserves both in design, quality, and uh, fuel efficiency, driving dynamics, really, the the Mazda brand has never sold as well as it should have sold by any kind of objective uh, analysis. So it's nice to see them recognized at a level that should hopefully help wake some people up to that. Some some of the people out there who are considering their next car, maybe they'll give them a closer look.
1: Yeah. And the the good thing about the, the unique thing about the Consumer Reports report is that it's done by the consumer. So like 300,000 people actually input their information, talk about the problems that they found. I saw, I found a, a piece of the information really, really interesting about um, Tesla that they say, well, in general, they say people found uh, transmissions needing to be replaced in as little as 5,000 miles in all the brands, right? Wow, I mean,
0: that's crazy. They,
1: that's high. Exactly. That's high. So like there's good things and bad things too. And that's a, the, the good thing about this report. The other thing is that the, in the Model Y, the, the paint got a bad qualification because, listen to this, it was marred because an embedded human hair in the, in the paint of the, of the Tesla. That's, that's I've really I've seen bad. that their
0: paint jobs, pardon the expression, suck. They have the worst paint jobs ever. I have a friend that does paint correction for New York State. He has a Tesla in there every day. It is amazing how bad their paint... They're like done with a broom. We used to call those Earl Scheib paint jobs. So the paint that dripped off the car in front of it goes to the next vehicle. It's that bad. So Tesla was uh, second to last. The only
1: worst was Lincoln, which really surprised me because what we have seen in the latest models have have been really good. The, The Navigator... The, um, the Corsair, all the new models are really good, but they came out last in this, in this report. So that's, that's kind of surprising, don't you think, Carl?
2: Yeah, it is. And it's unfortunate because I think from a like product overall execution level, Lincoln's really good, right? I mean, the, the, the Navigator and the Corsair, everything you see coming out of Lincoln for the last couple of years shows that they're really on it in terms of design, and in terms of uh, really a luxurious interior. You get in the average new Lincoln now, and it feels like this plush upscale interior that I think, for instance, Cadillac has not lived up to now. I think Lincoln's ahead of them in that sense, but that's not all there is to the game. There's the other metric, which is huge, which is quality and, and reliability and a sense of of being well-built, and that's important to consumers, and Clearly, a certain amount of people aren't be very happy with the Lincoln, according to this latest report.
0: Yeah. And the it's problem- also an experience, though, isn't it? Isn't it? I'm like, my mother in law bought an MKC because they were left on the lot. And she's like, oh my God, my chance to get a Lincoln. I said, if you're going to do it, this is the time to do it. And she was very ecstatic with her purchase and she loves everything about it. Again, it's what were you driving before? What were you coming from? In her case, it was a Nissan Altima. So it was a huge step up to go to a Lincoln MKC. So she's ecstatic, but she's also not the type of person who will fill out a survey. So I mean, so I guess that also is who who are the people submitting the surveys to?
1: Well, I mean, these are the real consumer. I mean, Consumer Reports doesn't take advertisement or anything, they really get the information from their own readers. So that's that's, it's kind of surprising. And uh, the only thing I said about when we should be thankful about technology, the problem sometimes is that there's so much new technology that uh, sometimes it fails. And sometimes people don't know how to use it properly at, at the beginning, at least. And that's one of the reasons people think they're not, it's not that good. But it might be
0: working fine, but it's hard, the learning curve might be tough. That's true. That's really true. I mean, a perfect example is remember when Ford came out with the automatic parallel park and we thought, this is great. You take your hands off the wheel. So when the salesperson shows you this, you just think it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. But then you might show a friend or two and you never use it again.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's a big, big, so you're paying for that, but you're not using it. And they're finding that's true, that 90% of people don't use some of the technology. They'll shut off, like I shut off the lane to change departure. I'll shut off the, the auto start stop. That's just a personal thing. I can't stand it. But I'm wondering how many other people are shutting things off or just not realizing it's there or really don't care. So I think that's also factors that need to be considered. And I think that's hard. You can't get every answer from everyone in their personal experience. And then there's also lemon cars. I mean, no matter what brand you get a car and it's got some issues, you know, it's normal. It's part of this new technology.
1: Yeah, exactly. So on the on the bottom of the list also, which is kind of surprising, but maybe not so much, like we know about it, Mercedes-Benz, Cadillac, Ford Ford mini volkswagen i mean that's that's really big name there yeah
0: that's a surprise i mean as a person who owns ford both my kids own minis they love their minis love them they're like ecstatic that's their favorite cars so i I, I know i don't you have a mini as well carl
2: i don't have one now but i had one when they first came back to the united states i was so excited about it because i just loved what that brand represented for Mm decades and when i got the new one when i heard the new one was coming. I was like, uh, yeah, I will take one of those, and I loved it, um, and I was able to sell it uh, only a couple of years later for almost what I paid because the demand was so high for those cars for so That's long. what I
0: did, too. I had an O2. I think it was when the, market, when the gas prices were super high. Somebody called me out of the blue and said, do you want to sell your Mini? I'm like, not really, but what are you going to offer me? And they bought it for what I paid for it. I'm like, I drove it for free, like for four or five years. I said, this is great. I bought another one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for, oh, I, for I also had one back then of those days. And and they were really, really good when they came back. And like, as Carl said, they were fantastic when they I mean just the concept of having that car back, right? So that was really, really great. Really. So we're thankful for that. And we're running out of time on this segment. So in the second segment, we're gonna talk about specific cars that we think we everybody should be thankful for. So we're gonna we'll be back. We're back at the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Barra and Lauren Fix. As I, we were saying, all of us have favorite cars and all that. And I think uh, when when we start talking about the cars that everybody should be thankful for, I think I'm going to be the obvious one, I guess. I'm going to go with the original car. Mercedes-Benz patent motor car from 1885. We all seen it in the museum in Stuttgart and I guess, like, as uh, they're not to be that pretentious or anything, but uh, when we are, when we are there, we are reminded that every reminded that every car in the world has a little bit of Mercedes-Benz just because of that. So, I think that's uh, it deserves a place in this list, right, Lauren?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, the first car Carl Benz uh, came up with, and you know, and everyone thought, "Oh wow, you know, that is a weird thing." And and his wife was also a big part of making that a popular vehicle. I think that's great. It's not my choice. Um, what I'm thankful for, you know it's going to be. It's going to be the Ford Mustangs. <laughs> that was a big change for Ford. They were making ugly cars and big old boats like the Edsel. And uh, this past week was the, the, birth, the birthday of the Edsel ending production, not starting, ending production. Uh, what a disaster that was, a $350 million venture that was a total bomb. And then they come around later and say, wait a minute, Look what we've come up with. That was in 59. Now we've got the Mustang. And that was because of Lee Iacocca, the father of the Mustang. And to me, the Mustang being the secretary car, as they called it, bring out this little teeny car that was a pony car. You know, you could get it with a backseat. And then the Shelby's, which are my real favorite, uh, the 65 Shelby's. I have a couple of them. Those are my absolute favorite cars. They're just everything, everything you could ask for.
1: But there was a time uh, in... In, in Mustang history, that they weren't that good looking, like around the late 70s. There were some models that were like, <laughs> <Your> really, <bad. laughs> right?
0: right? Am I? Right? <laughs> yeah, the 74 to 78 was horrendous. It was a Pinto underneath. The, but people do collect them. And then they came back in 79 with the, with the five liter, the Boss is back. And I actually had a 79 Mustang Cobra with a V8 engine in it, 302. And I've had a bunch of them over the years. I currently have uh, three of them. Um, but I love the new GT500. Just ecstatic. Probably one of the best cars Ford's built.
1: Okay, and before we go out and talk to Carl about his, uh, his uh, option in this one, I mean, it's called the Mustang, the Mark E. So uh, I, I know you're not very a good, fan, a great fan of it, but it's a Mustang. So is that a, are you also with a part of the people who say they're ruining the name? They're like. Making it an SUV, an electric car is like not good for the the brand, like the particular Mustang brand.
0: Well, for me, I say it's a destruction of the brand, to be honest with you. Uh, And I told people Ford executives pretty high up. They asked my opinion and I said, I'll be honest with you. Mustang is a model, just like Ford is the brand. Mustang is the model. And then you can have a Shelby or a GT or whatever it is you want. But when you make a Mach, which was a Mustang at one point, and you want to call it a Machi, we're all good with that. But when you, I don't even care that it looks like a Mustang, but the fact that you use the name Mustang degrades the value of the vehicles. People in the Mustang Club of America, the Shelby Club are very disappointed. We are not buying these cars. And there was just an article that came out last week that said that the value of these cars have already tanked and they haven't even come out. So that's going to be a big kick in the teeth because if it fails, it falls on. Farley who is the current president.
1: Yeah, and falls on the Mustang name which uh, that's going to be really mm-hmm. bad for it. So Carl, before you go you you give us your your uh, selection and just like talk about a little bit the our own selection what do you think about what I think and with the original car and uh learn with the Mustang the old one and the Mar- Mac E.
2: Well, you've kind of covered both ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, you've got the first real car that ever was invented and got us all to where we are today and you've got what is supposed to represent the future of cars uh with electric electric power and uh, no emissions um named after well one of the more famous cars from the last uh 50 plus years since the mustang first came out so you know you've got you've got the, the area covered and i'm kind of halfway in between those two uh, extremes with what i've got at least time wise uh, probably more extreme in terms of performance but um yeah, you guys ready for, for mine or my pick?
0: Yeah, let's hear it.
2: <laughs> so um, mine's going to be pretty uh, probably predictable for anyone who knows me, but I'm going to pick the original Ford GT40. And I think that car is special because it represents so many things. It was, it was an important vehicle on multiple levels, right? It, it was a, an important vehicle because it, was, it represented Ford trying to succeed on a world stage. And it was a response to them trying to purchase Ferrari and Ferrari essentially kind of toying with them and playing with the idea that they would sell to them, but they never did. And so you have kind of corporate ego playing into this and you kind of have a sense of revenge playing into this from Henry Ford II. But out of that came uh, one of the most innovative cars to ever be created being the mid-engine Ford GT40, which eventually performed on such a level on a global scale to really put ford's name in the history books and i i'm a huge believer in cars or vehicles that never should have happened i could have picked the 73 74 pontiac super duty anyone who knows the history of that knows that car never should have happened but it did i agree um, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the
0: pontiac aztec
2: well yeah that car never should have happened. it did but it shouldn't have, but it but it it shouldn't have ever happened at all It's and the
1: and the AMC Gremlin and the Pacer and all those <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> those are cars that that did happen and shouldn't have i'm i'm interested in the cars that shouldn't have happened but did and uh and even motorcycles you know there's a motorcycle called the Triumph Hurricane from 1972 73 that if you know the history it's like okay how the, how the hell did that ever happen but it was a really cool unique motorcycle and the background is that. It, so i love adversity i love adversity i love it when um somebody inside a company or a small group of people have a have a vision and they push it through in spite of what we all three of us know is always a lot of static and hurdles and other things words i'm not supposed to say uh that keep things like that from ever getting through and you know the new gt again the current one that that's out that that lauren and i both have done in secret you know officially ford said to it was brilliant yeah, officially Ford said to Raj Nair, their head of global product at the time, no. He said, let's make a car that can win at Le Mans. And they said, no. And he said, okay. And then he went and made it anyways in a secret location. And he had to do such a brilliant design that, I mean, that's a gamble, right? I look every time everyone says, I can't believe the design of this car. I always feel like I can I not actually believe it. Because literally, you're looking at, at a, a, a pretty high-powerful, high-powered Ford exec's career, Right. And if he didn't have a vehicle that was so compelling, when he finally showed it to the execs at Ford and said, well, I, I went ahead and started making a Lamar car, even though you guys said no. And unless they fell in love with it, they you know there was, was going to be that second where it's like, you broke the rules, you're fired, except here's the car. Oh, keep going. <laughs> and he had to get past that with just the design of the car. Their first impression of the car had to be so powerful that he went from being fired to being approved and continuing to, to produce it and build the hero car that once again, 50 years to the day later, won Le Mans like the first one. So I love the adversity, the overcoming adversity uh, of of anything. And I love the Ford GT40 and everything that it is tied to it, including the new one, because that's what that car represents.
1: And My I group. think uh, based on on that, uh, I think we the three of us should be thankful for the movie, right? Uh, for the yeah, the Ryan. movie was great. Uh, told a
0: very
2: important story, and I, I got to tell you, Ken Miles. I was on a radio interview years ago, and the guy had a great series of questions. He tried to ask to get your personality, you know, to kind of be illustrated to all his listeners. And one of the questions he asked me was, "If you could have lunch with anyone, living or dead, from the car world, who would it be?" And I said, "Ken Miles," and this was. Three four years before the movie came out, so I'm glad the rest of the world has now been educated as to who Ken Miles was, because he was far more important to the history of racing than most people knew before the movie.
1: Yeah, and if people, if if somebody has not watched the movie, I mean, highly recommend it because it's not really what you will think. It's just like a car nuts movie. I mean, it's a lot of history, and as you were saying, like how politics and like things played and uh, it's a really well done movie i I really enjoyed it and people who don't like cars like it too
2: well in a relationship too it was a movie about relationships specifically between shelby and ken miles and uh you know how those two guys had to fight with each other but then fight to defend each other against all the outside forces so really cool
1: okay can i give uh, an honorable mention to another car the Volkswagen Beetle? i have to i have to say that (laughs) I mean so that's, that's
0: a good car too. It's hugely yeah,
1: important. very important I mean that there's a lot of history also like Hitler ordered it to Ferdinand Porsche Porsche made it and all that and then I'm from Mexico that car was was made in Mexico for over 50 years it it brought a lot of good things to Mexico and I think all manufacturers nowadays follow that step and like they are bringing I think very of the few good news out of mexico because like as much as they keep investing in mexico the the automotive industry is going to need more highly educated people more more jobs and all that so that for me that's a very important car i think you could say that the
2: beetle did for the world what the model t did for the us the model t put america on wheels and the beetle put the world put the globe on wheels to a large extent
0: and brought us porsche which i am a big fan of as well and
2: brought us porsche which i think all three of us are fans of as well so yes
1: (laughs) oh there you go we could do a whole show because this is a fascinating conversation but we're running out of time again here but we're going to come back in the third segment with something that I, i i know you also are grateful for both you lauren and carl we'll be back for the last segment of this week uh, episode. And as I was saying, uh, we're giving uh, thanks for the cars that we enjoy. I know you, Carl, and you, Lauren, that we enjoy what the Dodge brand has been coming up in the last few years, especially the SRT division. I mean, when you think that they cannot come up with anything else, there you go. (laughs) They they put more power, more capability, more technology in their cars. So am I right with that, Carl?
2: Yeah, you are. And and they're just made common kind of an art out of um not just marketing but engineering designing you know uh, implementing these kind of you know barrier breaking cars that you know whether it's 700 horsepower and now 800 horsepower cars uh and 700 plus horsepower trucks and suvs that nobody else is doing so you really got to give fca and the srt division of fca a lot of credit um and they're kind of you know breaking the rules too because they're not they're not thinking EV, they're not thinking save the planet, which is the certainly the, the trend within the automotive industry right now. They're thinking, let's make really powerful, fun, cool cars that celebrate the traditional sense of the automobile. And it's working, by the way. Uh, Dodge had number one uh, rating on both quality and satisfaction in a recent study. So um, they are very effective at doing what they want to do.
1: And also doing a great job in engineering uh, because that platform that the Charger and the Challenger are built is really old. I think it's like uh, the E-Class platform when Daimler owned Chrysler, which is like like twenty years old, right, uh, Lauren? And they've been they keep like tweaking it and like doing new things with it. And I mean, they keep the brand relevant, the Dodge brand relevant.
0: Right. I wish it would update the body styles more than just like exterior trim panels. I think they're just a bit big considering what's out there. But they've kicked butt when it comes to performance. Uh, I mean, I have a TRX in the driveway this week. I love it. It just, it just, You know, it's so funny because the supercharger sounds like a gear drive if you're into cars. Gear drive has that like, Zzz! you can hear it like spooling up. It's, it sounds freaking awesome. It's a cool vehicle. And they've done a great job with their performance side. Um, and I love their interface for their Uconnect setup. I just think that they got to do some changes with the charger and the Challenger. They're just getting kind of dated because they haven't made any massive changes. And I know part of that is dollars and cents. And I know part of that is their, their fan base. But I think that's one of the things they need to work on. I mean, they've changed the Ram truck for the better. And now I want to see some changes on the performance car lines. I think that's the next step for them. But they're pretty much, they're certainly setting a pace and people are chasing them down, whether it be GM or, or Ford and others. So it's pretty cool that they've done a great job there.
1: Yeah. Well, to learn more about that and how, and to thank, I guess, uh, keeping up with the theme, uh, the person responsible for most of the, quote-unquote crazy things that we're seeing with them is eric hersley he's the uh, Dutch srt driving dynamics chief engineer and like he will tell us in this interview how all these things happen well eric here we are at a beautiful racetrack in in uh, near charlotte i don't know if this is south carolina or north carolina
3: well the tracks in south carolina
1: okay yeah but we started in charlotte this morning Uh, Not under the perfect conditions for the kind of cars we're driving today, but still very impressive what uh, we have experienced so far. Well, I don't
3: think it's such bad conditions for a Durango, <laughs> an all-wheel-drive Durango with uh, 710 horsepower in the rain. This seems to do pretty well, right?
1: What? 710 horsepower. <laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> 710 horsepower in the Durango, yeah, in the be- wet. Because the last time we we spent some time together was, I think, in Maine in the Club Motorsports with the Challenger um, Helka, or the, or, or the Or the, the Trackhawk, even. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Trackhack, yeah. And uh, at that point, I, I thought, like, okay, they push it, like, as far as they can. I mean, what else could they do? But now, here we are with something even more impressive, I think, because, I mean, let's talk about the Durango first, because you have the, the charger there, too. Well, the Durango is a three-row SUV, heavy vehicle, and then you put it out on the racetrack like if it's a muscle car.
3: Well, you know, that's the advantage of modern technology. You know, we can... We can, with the electronic shocks from Bilstein, we can make it stiff when it needs to be stiff, and we can make it compliant when it needs to be compliant. And it used to be on a high-performance car; you almost didn't want to drive it on the street every day because it would beat you up. And with that's the great thing about modern electronics, particularly in suspensions now. You know, engines and transmissions have had electronics for a long time, but now suspensions are starting to have electronics, and it really opens up the envelope of the vehicle. But you know what the other thing is, we at SRT we don't, we don't say why should you do something, <laughs> we, we say why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we put a bigger engine in it, it would just make it more fun.
1: Yeah, I was in, a, in another program that I'm sure you had some something to do with, I was with the Ram 1500 TRX, and that truck is just like one of those things that some people might argue that you don't really need it, but I guess based on the success of the sales i mean everybody wants it
3: well yeah do, do you need it no nobody needs it but they're they're fun and you know you have to have some spice in life right and if you can afford to drive uh, or afford to buy and drive a fun car why wouldn't you drive a fun car yeah right why wouldn't you enjoy yourself especially for us car people that's that's our thing that's that's what that's what we do and that's who we make cars for
1: so i have i i have to admit like i'm i'm really impressed with the the creativity that you guys have had especially with the Charger and the Challenger which uh, it's on an old platform but you have done so much with it like me and you have made the brand I mean stay alive based on those cars and it's it's incredible the job that you have done because the cars are very relevant I mean you have sold what like more than 80,000 just last year and uh, so it's it's incredible the job that the, the the push from the engineering part of the design and everything right
3: yeah and and I've been working on them since 2005 so they're like my they're like my children yeah. you know but the thing is is that you know when you have a good core design you can evolve it and you know we we have made huge changes it would be fun sometime to compare a 2006 charger srt to a current charger srt because you'd find many of the parts do not interchange actually and you know we've had static suspension changes and link changes and bushing changes you know a, a whole bunch of details but it's actually i enjoy it as an engineer because we're actually we actually have the opportunity the time to really take the design and optimize it and, you know, a lot of car companies have cars that last a long time. You know, most Corvettes go 10 years. Most, yeah. most Porsches, you know, go a long time. And it allows you to really, really refine it and really get it great um, rather than starting anew. There's yeah. so much. You you start from scratch. Every time there's so much work, you don't really get to optimize it. So, and then, to you know, it's a good, solid platform. I mean, that we can put a, an 800 horsepower engine in it, right? <laughs> that's, and it's fun.
1: incredible, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: and it's really fun to develop the parts because it's a challenge, you Absolutely. know, to make the half shafts and the differential and the drive line and everything to withstand, you know, all that power.
1: So you're in charge of vehicle dynamics, right? That's your official title, which means that you have to make sure that the cars are really great on the racetrack, but also on the regular Roads because these are like street legal cars and and I'm impressed when you drive them uh, on the street and like you you're dealing with like more than 700 horsepower uh, on a, in a car in the street and in in your head should be very intimidating because like a, a normal car let's say is like 200 300 700 it's a lot of, of power and then you drive it on the street and it's like really comfortable very quiet and and, and so it's like the balance the range of of performance is, is incredible. So if you explain a little bit how is how is that done?
3: Well one is you know we have really big tires on the cars now. So we can <laughs> we, we can absorb we can absorb the torque that it, the and the normal driving. And then the other thing we do to make the cars more friendly is most most car companies their highest performance cars are really just track rats. Right. They come with track tires, they're stiff. And that's that's not what we do at SRT. We make a normal daily driver a car you can drive every day you can still enjoy you can still drive it on the track. But it's actually easier to make a race car than it is to make because yeah, it's very focused than to make a well-rounded street car and also easy to drive we don't we don't put racing tires on it you can drive it in you even the all-season tires you can drive it in the snow we drive them in michigan in the snow all the time oh. it's, it's no problem and it's so but the real thing about um, being able to have that kind of power is the advent of the electronics the traction control and the stability control and then You know they've been out for a long time they've been out for about 20 years and now we've we've we're really pretty good at tuning them to where they help you when you need to be helped but they're not in the way making it the fun police do you remember when traction control stability control (laughs) came out you almost would fight it everybody hated it well we we've and especially in the srt's we, we let the car still be fun without but before things get really out of control um the car can help you uh you know from getting in too much trouble
1: and then on top of that, like the amazing design, the cars look amazing uh, from from the exterior. And then you get into the interior, like the new screen, the new controls, all the, 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 how easy it is to set up all those things. I mean, that's obviously what also attract a lot of people, I bet.
3: Well, you know, the interiors, I, I mean, I love, pretty cars too but the interior is where you live yeah right it's like would, would you rather have an, if you had to choose in your home would you rather have the interior nice or the exterior nice <laughs> exactly. well the interior yeah. is for you the exterior is for your neighbors yeah it's, it's great to have both but the interior is very point very important because that's that's where we're living and uh and and doing our work and traveling around and and i and i love how the whole industry has pushed interiors now you know the uh, interior of a normal car now is like is way nicer than the interior oh, yeah. of of a mercedes or a bmw was in the in the 90s oh yeah
1: absolutely so
3: it's uh it, everything's so comfortable and so nice but i really i really feel i really feel like we're at the we're at we're at a real high point here of of the way cars are but you know, every time we feel that way, they keep getting better, I, right? I,
1: that's how we started the conversation. So I, can't I, want, talk. I wonder what it's going to be the next time we see each other. I, I well, don't know. I mean, you know, it, but you won't tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
3: usually done doing the vehicle dynamics on a car. Completely done about August of, so say, if it was August 2020, Yeah, which was a few months ago, I'm done with the 22
1: oh okay so like two years yeah
3: and then we're working on it for a couple years before that because i i do you know the car everything has to the suspension and the chassis and the brakes and the tires and everything have to all be developed and then we build the durability fee and we we validate it so i'm usually working on more of the front end of the program, and and um, so it's 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 fun because I come to these
1: things and I have to think about what I was do, what we were doing yeah. three years ago. <laughs> but it is re- very has, cool has to a, live in the future. Has the pandemic in any way affected the the workflow, the your regular workflow that you?
3: It did for a couple months when we were really, like, really locked down. But at uh, at FCA, we all started working remotely. All our phones can be hotspots. You can be anywhere. Uh, you know, all our meetings are remote. I still do testing at the proving grounds but i mainly work out of the house and pop into work if i need to get a test car for this or that or go down to the proving grounds but i think we're doing um i i, I actually think it it helped the auto industry with our ability to have more more freedom yeah in the ways we get the work done
1: and all your cars have hot spots too
3: <laughs> yeah oh absolutely yeah for a while so we uh so no it was it took a couple of months but i would say by by june things were rolling rolling pretty well and things got delayed a couple months but we're still going and and we've got we've got some fun things from srt coming out in the next couple of years so i don't think it slowed us down very much at all
1: well that's great and uh nothing is going to s- slow down the charger so let's talk a little bit about that one too
3: oh well the charger was the you know the charger wide body we came out with last year which is where we did the chassis tuning on it and with the with the uh red eye engine we didn't change the chassis tuning but you know the car has all hellcat chargers are wide bodies any narrow body charger isn't an srt anymore so um uh, we didn't do that with challenger but with charger if it's a if it's an srt charger hellcat uh uh or red eye it's a it's a wide body so they all have the big tires, the suspension tuning. We we did uh, tweak the stability. We made them a little more just core stability so you could drive it out of the turn harder. And um, not only is that more fun, it made it a little faster on the track and a little more stable at speed. The great thing about the, the charger is the aerodynamics are very good on that car. And yeah. um, one of the things I'm also responsible for the aero front and rear lift balance at high speed because at really high speeds, you're flying the car's aero as much as you're driving the chassis. And I think we've got that car at a place where it drives pretty much the same, you know, at 120, 150 miles an hour as it does at 60 and 70 miles an hour. Wow,
1: that's amazing.
3: And, um, and there's, there's some keys on how you balance the aerodynamics to counteract the instability of speed. And if you get, ba- get it balanced just right, the car doesn't change. Okay. And that's always our goal.
1: That's great. So I'm gonna mark down my calendar for uh, August, 2022. But I think in, the, in, in between now and then, I think we're going to see what you work in August 2018 and 19. Indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you very much, Eric. We're going to keep enjoying here the activities at the racetrack. Thanks so, a lot, Javier. Thank you. So there you have it. I mean, Eric is so much fun to to be with and with, to drive with. We were at this event in Charlotte uh, last, uh, a couple of weeks ago with the new Charger, wide body, 790 horsepower the um, Dutch Durango an SUV i mean with over 700 horsepower i mean again quote unquote crazy stuff that you you thought you would never seen. but thank
0: thank God we have them well oh, thank Eric we have them right Carl yeah really
1: <laughs> yeah
2: no again the fact that FCA still has a division like that it's like their own little you know version of these kind of uh re- rebel uh, rebel crews within the uh, within the uh, hierarchy within the big corporate monster there's these rebel crews and clearly uh, Chrysler and FCA has enough respect and appreciation for them to let them keep going and doing their thing in a world where they could easily just be like, this is silly. You guys are you guys are uh, wasting resources on cars that aren- don't represent the future. Stop. And they aren't doing that. Thank God.
1: So as you heard in the interview, he was telling me that the, the current product that is coming out in the next few uh, weeks, he worked on that two years ago. So He already has done something that we're going to see in 2022. So that's another thing that, uh, Lauren, we should be thankful for, like for the future, right?
0: Yeah, I like how they're rebels. I think that's the coolest thing. And they say, we're going to build something that no one else is going to do. We don't care what they're going to do. We're going to build it our way. And I think that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, how many manufacturers can do that? I mean, very rarely Ford will come up with something like with the GT, like Carl was saying, where they said, you can't do it, but I'm doing it anyhow. I'm going to have my little crew do it behind closed doors. That's a rarity at Ford GM, same kind of thing. Every once in a while, they comes with something cool, but it's hard to keep secrets in this business, you know? I mean, with everyone having cameras, you know, there were supposed to be big secrets on the Ford Bronco. There were so many spy shots out there, and they were trying to shut it down. It's like, but now we want to know what's going on over at FCA. There's going to be some big changes. They got a new owner, they've merged with Peugeot. And so I'm excited to see what that's going to do to the brand and what they're going to keep, what they're going to get rid of and what they're going to bring in from Europe. That should be really awesome.
1: Yeah. So, well, again, thank you, you guys for uh, the opportunity of doing this podcast. We started this in the middle of the pandemic and I think it was a great opportunity. Uh, so thank you both for that. And um, again, like I don't know, I look forward to, for this thing to be over. <laughs> I'll be very, <buried laughs> the
0: pandemic forward. you mean? Yes. So, yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> Me too.
2: I agree, and I'm thankful that in spite of a very turbulent year that all three of us have, have kind of suffered through along with the rest of the planet, we were able to create something like this, create the Total Car, Car Score podcast and be able to dis- discuss all these cool automotive themes uh, and automotive uh, events because the industry is not boring, and uh, there's plenty of rich material for us to, to do what we've done and to keep doing it going forward.
1: Exactly. I agree. So, yeah. Uh, And we thank the audience for listening and we'll be even more thankful if you come back next week. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: See you guys. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.